Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore podcast, broadcasting live from the top of a Mount Rushmore monument in South Dakota. This is the Mount Rushmore podcast, and with me is Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. And this episode, our topic is the Mount Rushmore of shitty things about the Beatles. Richard. This is not the shitty Beatles. That's, That's a Wayne's right. World no. joke. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, but I, you know, I, I'm a huge, I am a huge Beatles fan, and I think I thought of this. This has been one we've been kind of shedding. It's been in the shed for a while. We're I think, it. I think that early on we had decided that uh, negative type episodes didn't feel good to record. Oh, okay. Uh, we're past that. 150 something in. <laughs> Screw it. Now, yeah. Let's just do it. Yeah, we get a heel turn. <laughs> <laughs> right. it took us three years, but we're you know we got there. So got this there. is so and, and, and based on the well. You love the Beatles. I love the Beatles. At the same time, when history becomes mythology, becomes hagiography, it's whoa starts to become yeah something. I think I think that's when you need to. Take a step insanity. back. Yeah. Take a step back and say, let's be realistic with who these people were. Let's be realistic about this band. So I was uh, talking about this topic with my wife Emily, and she said, it, "This isn't one of my topics. This is one of my choices." But she's like, "You know what you should say is that how people aren't allowed to not like the Beatles." And I think this goes to what Richard kind of said: is that there's so much mythology that's built in. There's so much history. There's so much. Um, they were there firsting of them that they're often mythologized and they're built up to this point that if you start to like <laughs> say a shitty thing about them, like there are people that will just chime in and brute you, you know, yeah. tear you down for like, Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. And this isn't just like, this is just in general. This is just like, I, yeah. maybe I don't like their music as much as other people. And then that is an immediate, you know, strike against you. We as will, yeah, we will get into this as we go deeper mm-hmm, into the mm-hmm. into the episode. I think history does that for us. Like it, it, it makes so that we only remember one fascist dictator, <laughs> and it makes so that only one uh, Trump. Trump, yeah, that's right, Donald Trump, and uh, it keeps us from remembering the pantheon of amazing uh, musical artists who revolutionized um, entertainment in the sixties. But we only remember one or two, and so. Um, and it's not the Beatles' fault necessarily, but it's kind of hard to hear that same story over and over again every time there's a a um, one of those um, TV shows that does talks about the '60s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so Richard shows it, so Michael starts it. So originally, I wanted to break it down into a category of John, Paul, I George, it. and Ringo. Oh, but you, you can't because there's nothing. Bad there's about nothing Ringo. bad about Ringo. Right. The worst thing I could find about Ringo was that he stopped answering his fan mail in like 2008 because he would handwrite notes back to people and they'd end up on eBay. And that was literally the, yeah, that was literally the worst thing that you could find about like the, the kicking boy of the band. If you do get a chance, look up on YouTube, the video that he posted Mm. to say that he was no longer accepting (laughs) uh, fan mail and wouldn't be signing anything because he says the words peace and love every 10 seconds. He said, it's unbelievable. He says it, as much as Hulk Hogan says, "brother." <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just something I, I might go um a lot. Yeah. He just throws in a piece of love. Piece of love. 
It's yeah, it's it's uh, you know, being from the valley, like is just worked into like my <laughs> speech pattern. It's just for him, it's just peace and love. But there was nothing really I could I could find that was like bad about uh Ringo. Really also George. It's kind of just You're right, right. It's right. kind of just John. So yeah. my number one uh, uh thing is John is just kind of like a piece of shit as a human being. My 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 wife also, beater. Also, my first pick. Good. I have John Lennon, comma, comma asshole. Yeah. So, mm. so mine specifically, kind of, uh, my choice is that he was kind of a very violent, angry person, and would take it out on the people, on his wife, on his wives, on his children, on people that he would kind of, um, like club owners and DJs. Um, I saw a story about a guy that he nearly beat to death. Um, he was abusive to his wife, Cynthia. Mm-hmm. He was abusive to Yoko. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the he, it's kind of, you know, this is a guy that, like, Ringo and, like, the rest of them were, were talking about peace and love and understanding. And then the other side of the door is he's hitting his wife. Yeah. And, like, oh, well, you're awful. Mm-hmm. You might be a genius, but you're a bad person. Mm -hmm. And I think so much of the myth of him is built on the public image that he tried to put out there that kind of covered up his private image. Mm -hmm. That, you know, often these are so difficult, you know, or so different. And I think with any sort of mega pop star, any sort of icon, you start learning that sometimes they're just not great people. Yeah, they might be trying to do great things or might be involved in a great mo- movement, but oftentimes, personally, they're just like mm-hmm. horrible. Mm-hmm. I do think entertainers and artists uh, sometimes are be, attain that position because of their toxic narcissism that allows them to focus on crafting their own public image and celebrity to the detriment of personal relationships. I would ask you, uh, it, is, it, is un, it is unflinchingly um, wrong all the time to ever be abusive. Was John Lennon more abusive than any male in, in that time frame, do you think, on average? Yes. What? Yes. Okay. Mm. Yeah, you don't, you, you don't start digging in and hearing... I mean, you can compare them to the other three members of the band, and you don't hear stories about Paul McCartney being abusive yeah. or George. Like, yeah. there's there's your sample group of yeah. four people that are as popular and as iconic, mm-hmm. and it's like uh, I guess not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, I don't know. I haven't dug into Elvis. Was Elvis abusive? I don't know. I don't think so. I've you don't hear it, and he stories. is as pop. He, he had a karate as- gi on when it was. A- <laughs> <laughs> Come here, man. Oh, cool. I'm gonna break. The- I'm gonna break this banana. <laughs> J- the, is there a specific John Lennon? Because there's an assault, right? Uh, there was an assault on a DJ who made some sort of joke about him being gay. Um, I've got a whole laundry list here. Mm-hmm. Um, he kept making homophobic and anti-Semitic jokes about Brian Ep- to Brian Epstein about him. Oh, wow. Uh, who, who, of course, was both gay and Jewish. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was very cold and distant to uh, his first son, Julian, mm. which I always think about... In, if I, Every once in a while, I watch the video for uh, "Too Late for Goodbyes." Mm-hmm. If you guys remember that video when it first came out, it's got this like he's playing the song, and then in the doorway, there's a silhouette of a guy goofing around and dancing, whose silhouette looks suspiciously like John Lennon's. Oh wow! 
And I always think about that. That must be real. It must have been just so tough for Julian, mm-hmm. who barely knew his dad because his dad essentially abandoned him when he was like three years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so that must have been just, just little stuff like that must have just been yeah. so tough for him. Um, he cheated on Julia with Yoko. Mm-hmm. And Barrett's very open and, and, and a shithead about it. He was a heroin addict, which I guess, you know, I shouldn't say that is a detriment. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a thing that happened. Yeah. Um, one that I found out, uh, didn't know about, that I found out during the research. Apparently, when Sean Lennon, his uh, son with Yoko, was like four, he was trying to teach him how to use a knife to cut steak. He got really mad at him and started screaming at him in his ear. And, what, and Sean had, wound up having to go to the hospital with hearing loss. Oh, God. Yeah. So it wasn't just this idea of, well, he was young and angry mm-hmm. and he kind of aged out of it. I mean, there's the whole Lost Weekend, mm. you know, the series of however, like 18 months, two years, where mm-hmm. he was basically had split from Yoko, was dating his personal assistant, and was running around getting kicked out of nightclubs with Harry Nilsson mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Um, so I don't think you can, so it's not something where it was just, oh, well, he was young, he was immature, yeah. or he was dealing with being a celebrity and didn't know how to take it at first. I mean, it's just, it's a pattern throughout yeah. his life. And even at the, even though at the end of his life, he seemed very um, accepting of what he had done and, and contrite yeah, and introspective about it, I, I don't think that excuses it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Well, uh, Jimmy Webb, in his autobiography, talks about Harry Nielsen calling him up to insist that he become an alibi and say that he was with Harry Nielsen and John Lennon on the night that he, I think he punched a photographer coming out of a nightclub okay. or something like that. So the arrogance and narcissism had developed into this world, this self-identity like it did with, say, Pablo Picasso or, or Harvey Weinstein uh, or the President of the United States, in which they developed this toxic narcissism in which they believed that they're above the law of humans. <laughs> and, I, yeah. and, and, and of course, I mean, this is all sort of amplified by the fact that he publicly was espousing this peace and love vision. Yeah. So it, you know, like it or not, it, it's it's hard to reconcile the public image and what he was yeah. espousing versus who he was as mm-hmm. a person. And and look, that dichotomy in a lot of ways is very interesting, very humanizing, but it's just some, not something that a lot of fans want to think about or yeah. talk about. I, I do f- believe that if we are not a mockery of our own ideals, we've set our sights too low. And I think he... If you would say one was counterfeit, would you say that his idealism was counterfeit? I don't know. I just think he fell very short of the personal execution of peace and love, and whereas he might have had his eye eye on these large this larger execution, he thought it didn't apply to him personally. True, <laughs> yeah, which was bullshit because it all starts at home. Uh, so that the first choice for both of you guys is is John Lennon's... Um, personal failings. Personal failings, okay. Uh, Winfield, what's your... Oh, so Richard, do you want to do your second? Yeah, I'll do okay. my second. Um, so this year, uh, there's a, this past year, 2018, I should say, there was a uh, bit of a, a, a kerfuffle, let's call it. Hmm. A hullabaloo hmm. around Quincy Jones. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, coming out and basically in an interview saying that the Beatles were all 
with the exception of Paul, really shitty musicians, even claiming that uh, session musicians had come in particularly to help out Ringo um, when he couldn't do some drum parts. Now, I don't know. That sounds like bullshit to me, especially the, the session musicians coming in to augment the rest of the band. Um, there's just so many. No band had, has had their recording sessions as scrutinized. And, yeah, yeah. you know, you can buy book. I have a book that literally is just every recording session. Yeah. Here is what they did that day. So I, I just don't buy that. However, I think what I want to talk about in, in this context is Paul McCartney's annoying sort of uh, virtuosity. It's like you have that friend who's like really good at everything. Yeah. And it's not that he's like smug about it or anything, but it's just that he happens to be really good about it. And the fact that he's kind of very humble about it almost makes it worse. And that's me usually. So I decided if you guys think, you know, when you guys think about me, but that's kind of Paul McCartney. I mean, yeah. he was, there's the, this, you know, the story I have heard is that, you know, someone asks, is Ringo the best drummer mm-hmm. in rock? And yeah. someone else responds, he wasn't even, he's not even the best drummer in the Beatles. Yeah. Oh, I read that was apocryphal that it wasn't uh, said by anyone in the Beatles. It was said by, Oh, no, I'm not saying it was said by someone. It was said by somebody. I think that was the, something that was said. During the it, with the implication time. that, Paul uh, a UK comedian, Jasper uh, Carrot. Jasper Carrot, yeah. Of of uh, Jasper goes goes to the Rowdies fame. Yeah, apparently it was like attributed to John Lennon. But but go ahead. No, sure. Um, I mean, there's a reason for that. Paul McCartney is a very good drummer, and he has drummed on pretty much all of his solo records mm-hmm. and the Wings stuff and all of that. And he did do drumming on several Beatles songs um, back in the USSR. Uh, do, 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 do. What's the other one that I'm thinking of? Oh, uh, Ballad of John and Yoko. So he did, at least that we know about, several songs. And he was also maybe the best guitar soloist yeah. of the group. Yeah. So if you listen to Taxman, which I didn't know about until doing the research for this, the guitar solo at the end, which is oh. just batshit crazy, mm-hmm. doesn't, even, doesn't sound like anything else in the Beatles' sort of canon of guitar parts. That's because it's a Paul McCartney guitar mm-hmm. solo and not a not a George Harrison guitar solo. And I have a whole list here. I'm In Jeff Emmerich's book about recording the Beatles, he does repeatedly describe George as an insufficient guitarist and they would have to go leave while he recorded his lead guitar parts. And then Paul was the one, usually the one who was in Ringo's ear saying, letting Ringo know when it's time to come back in on a song. Right. Or giving George some tips on how to pull a solo. So that must have been just impossibly annoying for George Harrison. Yeah. <laughs> or for any of the other Beatles. Yeah. To know you've got this like guy kind of just sitting there. Like, oh, yeah. You know, very. Yeah. Do you want me to jump in and play that then? There was a, I've been reading Eric Idle's autobiography and it's, he, he bemoans to George Harrison how hard it is to be in Python. <laughs> Because you've got John Cleese ah, okay. and Graham Chapman, and George goes, try being a Beatle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> try getting some studio time, and we you got John Lennon and Paul McCartney. Yeah, poor George. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it must have just galled him to know that they made sure that Ringo got a song on every album. Yeah. And he had to fight for his stuff. Yeah. But I just, you know, I, 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 this started off as actually entitled, maybe they weren't great musicians except Paul. 
but I think it really started. I started thinking about what would it be like to be the other Beatles. Yeah, it's kind of like being Aquaman in the Justice League or something. Right. Where you're like you, you got this guy named Superman who can probably he's got this for the most part. You're just right. kind of all, all along. You're there. along for the ride a little yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's funny. That almost leads into my next pick. Okay. Which is uh, some of their parts are better than them individually because once they left the Beatles, like the drop off on songs seem to just go straight down. Like, what is the best John Lennon song? Imagine? Sure. After he left the Beatles? Yeah, let's say that. Everyone loves What's that the song. best Paul McCartney song? Maybe I'm Amazed. Band on the Run? Band on the Run. It's a pretty good song. But like... Wonderful Christmas time. I think we've established that on this <laughs> that's podcast. Right. <laughs> that's right. George Harrison song? George Harrison had like one... No, that's not true. I like mean... A great George... That he wasn't part of like another band? That he wasn't plagiarizing? Mm. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Not my sweet life, sweet lord. Yeah. Ringo's songs, I would argue that Ringo's best solo song is probably better than anything he did in the Beatles. Didn't Ringo also have some bigger hits than like he, he was the some... first one? He was the first solo artist to have hits because John was doing like all the he was doing stuff with experimental Yoko. shit. Uh-huh. Paul was doing, you know, acoustic kind of fucking around. Ringo was doing uh, It Don't Come Easy, which was yeah. like this number one smash. So, so Ringo would be the exception to the rule on that, but I understand hmm. where you're coming from. I guess the point is is that they were re- good as a band, and the, especially the Lennon-McCartney songwriting back and forth really pushed them forward, and which made the Beatles the Beatles. And it's it's like, but a part is like, I, I don't know, I guess there's something that, that feels lacking from all of them, and maybe they mm-hmm. just needed the other people yeah. to... I would all- I would also argue that within the Beatles, the song Yesterday is 100% Paul. Right. Well, yeah, he wrote it, and he played on it, and he's the only one who plays yeah. on it. I think it was actually supposed to be, they were going to put it out as a Paul McCartney solo song. Then they backed uh-huh. up, they kind of got cold feet and backed away from oh. it at the last minute. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So that there's some of their output, You yes, within the context of the guidance that Lennon gave McCartney, I think was... I think they always challenged each other. And I think there's something about that friendly rivalry of going in the studio and knowing we've got eight tracks to an album, and so we all have to bring our great sure. music. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. There's just, there's just something that, like, it feels like once they broke up, it, it was kind of like, okay, well, those were the guys that used to be in the Beatles. They were still obviously amazingly popular. But there's something just lacking, and I don't know if it's just like John Lennon going back to writing, like to getting into weird, like doo-wop 1950s. Right. Like, why go? Why just why go through that? Why go through that thing? Why, why revisit that now? What? How, how does that serve anybody? And then I don't know. Maybe it's just that I don't have a good a catalog of listening to Paul McCartney and Wings. Maybe it's just that, that by. Starting a new band, it almost seems like he stepped on the Beatles. He mm-hmm. could have just been Paul McCartney with his band, but it was Paul uh-huh. McCartney and Wings. Oh, yeah. And it feels like... Yeah, but really, who really cares So about I the think wing. that that rock and roll album had something to do with a lawsuit filed by the guy who owned the rights to uh, uh, Can't, Can't Catch Me by Chuck Berry. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, because wow. uh, John Lennon lifted... The here come old flat top. He's mm-hmm. grew up slowly. Yeah, yeah. He lifted that line and didn't oh. get any songwriting credit. So I think that part of the settlement is he agreed to do three of 
to record three songs uh-huh. that the guy who owned oh, the wow. copyright for uh-huh. had the copyright on, and that sort hmm. of became where the rock and roll album came from. Wow. Huh. So it's kind of based on, it's this famously, kind of famous flop of an album mm-hmm. in that it was... They Legal spent a fulfillment. Ton of money on it. Phil Scott, Phil Spector involved in this whole thing, and it kind of was very flat and uh-huh. unsuccessful. And yeah, it was all kind of a legal requirement. Oh, um, so we're at our halftime, and I would recommend the Slate podcast. Uh, I think it's 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 a Slate top forty charting podcast. I'll find actually the episode of it in which they do talk about how the Beatles at one point held the top five positions in the charts, and. Um, I found that fascinating because at the time, that was nearly impossible to do because the charts were all controlled. The, chart, the, the music charts were essentially a marketing tool so that um, mu- record companies would release uh, songs in cadence with one another. So they knew you're going to put out a, f- a single this week, they're going to put it, somebody else is going to put out a single this week, somebody else is going to put out a single this week, and we'll kind of share the time up on the charts. So the only way the Beatles could have done that was is if it was earlier in the career and some other music had been rejected by different labels, so they were somehow put out records on three different labels at the same time. And so they were able to occupy uh, the top five positions because uh, all these other labels were in competition with each other. So I, I just find that's amazing. So all that we are talking about... Um, the Beatles and the down the, the their failings on occasion. It's uh, pr- they're pretty much ubiquitous. This is the Hit Parade podcast. Uh, ubiquitous in terms of uh, their continual celebrity and continual critical uh, success um, and continual financial success. They're the top selling and the top uh, critiqued act throughout their entire career. So, okay, so uh, this is the Mount Rushmore podcast, and we are. Asking you, imploring you to go out on to the iTunes and go out to Stitcher and go out to iHeartRadio and leave a review for our podcast, for the episodes, download them, rate them. We'd love to hear from you. And you can join us in the dialogue out on the social media and go on Facebook, go on Twitter, go on Instagram, search Mount Rushmore Podcast. You'll find us. Yeah. Do you want, do you have a, a favorite band that you'd like us to shit all over? Yeah. <laughs> We can do that for you. <laughs> Zombies, boom. boom. Nail, we'll nail you. The Trogs, boom. ABBA. Gotcha. Gotcha. Nail, right on our sites. <laughs> um, uh, listen, uh, listen, Mike and the mechanics, we're coming at you. <laughs> <laughs> Just the mechanics. We can. <laughs> Mike's, a, Mike's Mike, a good guy. We're good, Mike. Uh, so, yeah. So, there's that. And we invite you to do that. And we invite you to support other podcasts, this being one of them. Once upon a time there was a gnome. Once upon a time there was an elf. Once upon a time there was a little. Once upon a time there was a gnome. Once upon a time there was a time. There was a once upon a time. There was an old rock. Once upon a time. 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 And no one lived happily ever after. Fairy tales for unwanted children. Find us on iTunes or at periodically.ca. Uh, we're back, so it is time for Richard, I think, or I guess this would be Michael to let us know his third choice. Sure, I can, I'll, might as well swap it around. Um, shitty things about the Beatles. Uh, I don't know if this is fair. Since when have we worried about that? <laughs> I don't know if this is fair to attribute to him, but the, uh, you know, 
the LaBianca murders, the Charles Manson obsession <laughs> oh, with the yes. Beatles. That's a bad look on, you know, the White Album in general. It kind of makes you feel a little guilty about listening to Helter Skelter. Yeah. It really kind of does. It it, 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 it taints it's, it. It's a skip now on my uh, my CD. Just yeah. Like, I mean, I'll, you know, a few of the songs on that, Revolution Number 9, yeah. uh, Helter Skelter, it's hard to listen it's to. It's Obli Obli-Di-Obli-Da on, on White <laughs> Album, I believe. Uh I know I'm susceptible to suggestive messaging, mm. so yes. I try to not Jeff, to go kill somebody right now. <laughs> See you guys. I got to go. <laughs> uh, it's hard to peg. It's, it's not their fault that a crazy person took their lyrics and interpreted them as let's. This is these are lyrics about a race war. Uh, these are lyrics about. Um, well, it's all right there, Michael. No, wait, hold on. Wait. Oh, you're right. It's, Never mind. They're all. It's Hold all, on. Let me. Yeah. I'm going to read a little bit about. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm just going to read some from Your Blues. Yes, I'm lonely. Want to die? Yes, I'm lonely. Want to die? Hmm. If I ain't dead already, girl, you know the reason why. That does mean Jesus Christ should come and kill everybody. Yeah. You're right. You're, no, you're, you're right. It's right there. The fact that that anyone's song can be turned into a justification for murder is awful and it's not it's not their fault but there is just an unfortunate stain that is just like all over it because of this crazy person and it's it's weird to separate it and once you start i think that's part of the problem with as richard said at the top of this episode once you start getting into the mythology and once you just you start getting that something that is past skin deep and you start learning what happens? What was it? Who was the guy that killed John Lennon? Mark Chapman. He was like driven crazy, not by a Beatles song, but by Catcher in the Rye. Yeah, and like hardly. That's not really Salinger's fault that he killed. It's, Taxi you, driver too, didn't he? You yeah. It, you can't blame J.D. Uh-huh. Salinger yeah. for John Lennon's death, but ultimately these things get conflated, and like the mythologies start crossing, mm-hmm. and the crazy people often start when they start pulling things into their world, it's like, whoa, whoa, uh, I can't separate the two. Yeah. And like you hear a song called, you know, you hear Helter Skelter specifically. And like that was the, you know, the one that was like his anthem. Mm-hmm. That was what they scrawled. Yeah. Uh, you know, in blood. Yeah. Uh, up at the house. And it's just like, that's crazy. And like, that's like, well, oh, Mark, yeah. and Mark Chapman was also obsessed with, uh, Todd Rundgren, oh, he who was? was having a feud with John Lennon hmm. around the time of his death. Oh. So should we blame uh, Todd Rundgren for John Lennon's death? Hmm. Probably. Mm, Probably bit. should. That makes sense. Okay. That's, you it's took like, it up it's, a notch. It's like that obses- It's when something is an obsession that just kind of takes over anything. It just, I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah, I, I get it. Uh, the songs he recorded after went, everybody just be cool and don't kill anybody. It <laughs> <laughs> was still misinterpreted. Richard, what's your third? So my third one is uh, the Magical Mystery Tour. Oh, yeah. Just in general. Yeah. Um, not the songs themselves so much. It's, it's f- the show. It's a fine soundtrack mm-hmm. um, with some of their better songs. So I think the soundtrack itself is actually, if anything, a bit underrated. The movie, however, is a giant Technicolor yeah. turd. 
Um, and that's one of those things I remember being in college and growing up in a small town and in the days before the internet, there were, I don't, I had never seen Magical Mystery Tour, even being, even back then in high school, a really like huge Beatles fan. Cause I literally just didn't have, there was no opportunity mm-hmm. to be able to watch it. Um, got to college and a friend of a friend, or I think one of Sarah's roommates actually, had a copy of it on VHS. And I remember watching it and going, oh, this, this is not good. Yeah. That is, this is that bad is a, filmmaking. That is a very interesting thing. And I don't know what my expectations were going into it because it's kind of this, I think I was thinking it would at least be interesting, mm-hmm. if not good in air quotes, but at least it would be interesting. And it is not particularly interesting or good. It's that it's that thing where what happens when the artist you love puts out something shitty and you're just like, ah, oh, you guys. Oh man, yeah. I don't And it was the God, first I'm so disappointed. I'm not even mad. I'm, I'm disappointed. disappointed. Yeah. Yeah, if you guys do watch it, what you will see is a lot of completely disconnected scenes without plots. Um, attempts to try to pull off some sort of Monty Python humor without Monty Python being mm-hmm. involved. Um, trippy, again, using the air quotes, visuals. And it's funny because Paul McCartney still defends the movie. Like if you watch the anthology series and he talks about it, oh yeah, well they still show it in film school. I know Steven Spielberg said that it was an influence on him and it's like, dude, just, you can yeah. admit it's a piece of crap. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay that you, Mr. Perfectionist Paul McCartney mm-hmm. did something that wasn't good. Yeah. And it was the first time the Beatles had, like, failed. And when they failed, they failed spectacularly. I mean, this was like a, supposed to be a Boxing Day program on the BBC, mm-hmm. um, which is, like, basically the biggest time slot that you could possibly have in England. And it was made even worse by the fact that it was shown in black and white on BBC One, even though it was a color movie. Mm -hmm. So if there's anything interesting about it, it's kind of the use of colors. Mm -hmm. It's very vibrant. And nobody saw that when it first ran because BBC decided to run it in black and white because there were only Mm -hmm. something like 20,000 color TVs Mm. in England back in 67 or 68, whenever it came out. The little bit I've read, it sounds like an era where Paul was the cheerleader for the band. And he kind was of, the one pushing to like let's yeah. do something. Is right after Brian Epstein had died. Yeah, so they didn't have anyone who was like a Svengali or a, someone who could give basically mm-hmm. giving them guidance. Yeah, and so you're right. Paul kind of became, I think, the the person who tried to become the leader. Yeah, and won't I, I can see to them drawing influences. Whereas the Beatles had, even though their repertoire was highly influenced by. Motown by Chuck Berry, by American soul, R&B, um, Isley Brothers, all these other influences. They were a band that had been leading the way in terms of enlightened music and Eastern influence and all these other things for so long. So to the bit that point where they go, let's do this thing. It's kind of like the electric Kool-Aid acid test. It's kind of like this, you know, this... Um, Something Timothy Leary, Al, you know this this uh, trippy acid trip, like 
like they would do in Woodstock or something. Just get on a magic bus and do this this thing. Yeah, it does seem so derivative of following following trend. I mean, I think that they were trying to do something in, in their probably at that point ego of thinking that hey, we basically have changed music. It's like mm-hmm. what can we do? We've done film. What can we do with this medium television yeah. that hasn't been done before? Yeah, and it was just a matter of. Overstep, you know, kind of getting it over their heads. Yeah. They were in way over their heads on this. And it's interesting because each of the four Beatles attempted to be, do have an acting career to some mm-hmm. extent or were involved with acting. Even George Harrison. Yeah. You know, like if you ever watch The Ruddles, mm-hmm. he has like a small part and he's, I think he does a few things in some like Terry Gilliam films yeah. and stuff like that. Obviously, Ringo and Paul had mm-hmm. Get My Regards to Broad Street. So best not say too much about that. But they each tried to have these like, Acting careers, yeah, and it's, it's just it never really worked out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, uh, Winfield, what's the last one on your plate? Uh, my last one is want some more information on the Beatles. Good luck. That well is so wrung dry. <laughs> These four lads have been picked over. Every ounce of information or interesting thing has been squeezed out of this band that the only thing you can get is like them redefining and admitting like things about their songs that make them more depressing. I remember specifically hearing that like Paul McCartney doing, uh, talking about the song Blackbird. Blackbird could be a beautiful, is a beautiful song. A metaphor, and he's like, "Yeah, it's about this girl. She was black, and you know, in London, you called girls birds, so it was a song about a black bird." And it's just like that. Really, is what the song is about, isn't it? Right. It's just about a, a black girl. It's not it's, civil it's rights. Not, I, I may, but I mean, who knows? I bet the okay. thing. That's the thing is, it has been wrenched over so often that I yeah. don't know what the truth is. Okay, and ultimately, it feels like maybe the. 78-year-old mind of Paul McCartney. Maybe that's, that is the truth. I don't know. Mm, right. And like, part, partly, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I think I'd be so tired of trying to explain every song he ever wrote. Yeah. And like, the, and specifically the songs, no one asks him about wing songs. They only ask him about, so, uh, yeah, no, Strawberry nobody, Fields Forever. <laughs> yeah, nobody ever asks about Mole of Kintyre. What is that about? <laughs> yeah. This band has been like picked apart uh, you know, if you go on like their Wikipedia page, everything is footnoted to the 100th to degree. And you're just like, I can't read this page because it's all, everything is a little bracket, little one, one A, bracket here, 17B. It all leads to something. It's just like this band has been dissected so much that what is left is, it's all just a footnote. And I don't know what is true. I don't know what is interesting. Yeah. The, fact imagine? Is, the fact is that you can actually be a Beatles historian. Yeah. That's a thing you it's a can full be. Time, yeah. That's like a full-time job that people have. Yeah. That's uh, insane. They're, they were a band. They were together for five years. They made like, what, 10 albums or something like that? I do I do love, there was a, a Portlandia episode where uh, uh, Fred was talking to um, Carrie. Carrie, and he was like, you know what I should do? I should do like, I, like, like a definitive like Beatles documentary. And he starts telling it to her. He's like, and we'll start like with some black and white photos and at the Cavern Club. She's like, yeah, that's every documentary. That's <laughs> she's, she's like, and then you just we'll go through and we'll we'll follow them into like India and me. And she's like, yeah, that's 
that everyone, and then we'll just talk about it. It's just <laughs> like the way she describes the way that people have to talk about the Beatles is in a very, you know, it's like every, they did a documentary, uh, uh, Ron, um, Ron Nasty? No, uh, no, no, no. Ron, uh, um, who's the director? Howard. Howard. Ron Howard did it a Beatles we- documentary that was like, okay, I, I, I watched it and I was like, I don't remember getting anything new from it. Mm-hmm. They animated some black and white photos with like smoke. And it was like, that was a big, <laughs> you, bla- you animated black and white yeah. photos from the Cavern Club. Yeah. On my way over here, I was yeah. listening to the Beatles channel on Sirius. And they have a show called The Fab Forum, where it is two people talking Beatles for two hours every week. That's too much goddamn Beatles yeah. talk. I don't understand how that it, it's, it's ship sailed, boys. Mm-hmm. Growing up with my dad, um, we used to do things on Sunday. We'd, I, I, you know, what, whatever outing we'd have, we'd turn on Breakfast with the Beatles and they'd play old hits and demos and different things and that felt like that's enough okay that's enough (laughs) and every time we drive up to like thanksgiving k earth or whoever 98.3 would have like their uh christmas with the beatles or thanksgiving with the beatles and just be playing just like okay yeah i would and this was 30 years ago i work for an organ and large entertainment company that is named after a, a gentleman Whose head has been cut off? His head has been severed. Uh, all those, all the people in the fan club want is just another frame, another recording of Walt clearing his throat. Uh, could you find a photo of Walt eating a donut? Just we need some more Walt. Like they can't get enough of that Walt. They would much rather have one photo of the Walt walking shot from far away. Waltz off in the distance, his back turned to the camera, flipping the bird towards the camera. They'd rather have that than a brand new animated film. They just love them some Walt. My my last choice, and I'll just kind of roll into it yeah, here because I think mm-hmm. it's it's because it's cold in here. It's related to this. Is just Beatles fans are the worst, and by fans I mean fanatics mm. in the true sense of the term. Yeah, um, they it it is that sense of I don't know how you talk about this. The show I'm talking about, it is not, oh, let's play a song and then we're going to talk about it. Like the show Michael's talking about Breakfast with the Beatles is a very popular show here in Los Angeles. Been on the air for, you know, 25, 30 years or however long it's been on now. And basically it's playing Beatles songs and demos and all that stuff. This is just two hours of talking about the Beatles and trying to break down every song and talk to musicians about why they love the Beatles and... Uh, it's just wearying. It's it's just <laughs> if you're a, it's it's like you, you're not allowed to have this space of really liking the Beatles. You either have to be like ca- very casual or like super hardcore. Yeah, Beatles like nut who knows like oh in 1965 they record you know they recorded mm-hmm. help on this date on this you know and here's who played on the session and all this stuff. You have to be either that or sort of like, yeah, I like the Beatles. That Those goes, are your two options. Yeah. That goes back to like my opening statement and my opening conversation with Emily, where it's like to live in the, nah, I'm, you know, the Beatles are good. I don't, I'm not into them. That like, that pegs you as someone that is like, that someone who is a Beatles fan will just like, they will tear you apart. Or the opposite is true. If you mm. ask someone, let me ask you this. Mm-mm. If 
you're talking to someone, you say, hey, what's your, so who's your favorite band of all time? And they say the Beatles. You are not impressed by that. No, that's true. You, you, know, that's, what you, you know what your thought is? is, that is you are a boring person who does, has very limited taste. Hmm. Uh, when, when I was in high school, I felt so utterly unique that I was so into Star Wars as much as I was. Right. You know, this was 10 years past Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Star, the Star Wars things that were in the zeitgeist were some graphic novels, kind of, some expanded universe novels, like the Further Adventures, but they were all just novels. They, aren't, they didn't do anything. And to live in the I am so into Star Wars thing was so... It made me feel good. And then you, you add 10 years to it and you realize, oh, I think we talked about this on the podcast. This is everybody. Everybody was into Star Wars. Everybody is into Star Wars the same way that everybody is. Like, you can't be impressed by saying that Game of Thrones is your favorite show. Right. Everybody watches Game of Thrones. When everybody's watching the one thing, it doesn't become, you're not the unique thing that you thought you were. If the Beatles, the biggest band in the world, are your favorite band, it's like, Okay. Yeah, it kind of just feels like you sort of... There's nothing wrong with it. It's just like... Right, you went along and sort of like felt... It's like saying you root for the Yankees. I would say, I think one of the reasons... I had heard somebody say, not liking the Beatles, it's like saying... Somebody asking if... It's like... (sighs) Writing. At some point, somebody synthesized and created the idea of what a novel is. And ever since then, novelists are writing in somewhat that format. So it's like, this guy said, if it's not saying you don't like the Beatles, like saying you don't like the alphabet. <laughs> right. <laughs> they, they created much of the texture, or synthesized much of the, the components, the molecular structures of these things that we're now using to build larger uh, creations and organisms with. So I understand how rude it almost seems like. What kind of, it's like almost saying vanilla when somebody asks you about ice cream, because there's so many other things that build off of that foundation. Right. So I totally understand I how I love they, chocolate ice cream. It's like, uh, well, yeah, yeah. Does. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, fine. Yeah. Um, I have a friend of mine, Ryan, who has gotten into, not Ryan uh, Love, our friend from, yeah. not him, but a different Ryan, who has gotten into arguments with people in the past by simply making the statement that it is impossible for the Beatles to be underrated. Mm-hmm. Huh. That... Because they are basically rated by almost consensus as number one. Yeah. Either you think, either you agree they're the best band of all time and then they're properly rated. Mm-hmm. Or if you have another band that you think is a, your favorite band. Yeah. Then they're overrated. Oh, okay. And nobody wants to hear that the Beatles are overrated. Ah. But technically, unless you think they're the greatest band of all time and they're your favorite band of all time, mm-hmm. they're overrated to you. Interesting. Richard, who's your favorite band? Oh, XTC. Shitty Beatles. Shitty Beatles. So uh, we're going to wrap this up, but just to let you know, the Grammys have been going on, and uh, these are the people that are winning Grammys this year. Did the Beatles win any? The Beatles didn't win it, but uh, I Like It by Cardi B, Bad Bunny, and J Balvin won Record of the Year. This is America by Childish Gambino. Oh, those are nominees. Oh, fuck. I thought it was going to have the winners. Um, 
Okay, never mind. So, oh, yeah, the winner. This is a live podcast. This, this is, is live. This is the worst. Okay, this is the worst. I'm being the worst. Um, Lady Gaga, Joanne, where do you think you're going? Hey, Richard, topic. Shallow by yeah. Lady Gaga. For the future. Mm-hmm. Um, Mount Rushmore of second bands. Ooh, it's pretty good. Oh, yeah. Of like, you had your success with the first one, and then... You went on to a second band. What is the second band that went oh, on? Oh, yeah. Well, like, Paul was in, that down. like, Paul right. McCartney was in the Quarrymen, and then he, he was that's in right. the Beatles. That's right. That's true. <laughs> the Beatles were your second band, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, so going with some picks, kind of shooting from the hip. This was a nice, loose, fun thing here. And we both chose John Lennon, so we both get one. And in terms of the second thing, um, I, I would just... I think it's a good point that... Um, comparing them as individuals to their group output. So not they were not as good as, as individual artists and the group output. Um, murders, homicides. I don't know if you get any uh, worse than that than um, Helter Skelter trying to actively solicit multiple homicides, which is what exactly what happened. And then um, I'll take Beatles fans of the worst. That week, this week was six to five me. Okay. Oh, well. So, this has been the Mount Rushmore of why the Beatles are shitty. Oh, re- oh wait, hold on a second. I didn't re- realize we had one of the Beatles here. No, I hey, think it's, I think it's, I think it's Peter. Oh, sort of pop in. Peter Asher. I think it's Peter Noon. <laughs> Peter. Mrs. Brown, you've got a lovely I'm married at time. <clears throat> Jeffrey, as uh, at, at the table, as the biggest Beatles fan here, oh. what do you think is the shittiest thing about the Beatles? Uh, I think the shittiest thing about the Beatles. You might have an, an interesting uh, perspective. Paul divorced a one-legged lady. And got, <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's pretty shitty. <laughs> uh, Ringo. I, I mean, I, what are you going to do? How are you talking about? How do we talk? <laughs> <laughs> he's just talking for an just, hour about and, the Beatles, and, 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 and he then just he, swoops in. And, and, just he just, like, and, and then he just says, Ringo. And then it's like, how do you talk about? No, no, he's no. the shittiest thing about the Beatles. Ringo had a job at a band <laughs> uh, already. Pete Best was holding on to his job in a band. He knew he couldn't really keep very well. What else was Pete Best going to do? Work in a bakery or like... Deliver. I guess he was more like Pete's second best, Pete's right? Pete's second best. Kaboom. Right? Hey, roasted. <laughs> okay, this has been the Mount... This has been... This has been the Mount Rushmore of shitty things the Beatles have done. And this is George saying, uh, this is also the shitty things the Beatles have done. And this is Paul saying, hey, come on, guys. Let's keep this podcast going. We can do something with this, can we? This is Ringo. Peace and love. Peace and love. I, as always, am Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. 